Hello, and welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at Pub Quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hi, Julia. Hi, Lauren. It has been a very long time since we've had a guest. It's true. It's true. Yes, we've been doing, we've been back, we've been in our new format, which is every other week. And we've been cranking away. We've been providing high quality content for you guys twice a month for the past, I don't know, feels like years. <laughs> and, but now we have a, a guest, our first guest of the season. Yes. And I'm very excited about her topic. So. <laughs> Everybody, please welcome from Cornell University, an Ivy League school, by the way, Nina Devine. Hello, Nina. How are you? Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Super excited. Longtime listener, first time caller. Uh, um, indeed. We love to hear it. Love <laughs> to hear it. Nina, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're going to be talking to us about today. Sure. So I am a student at Cornell. I'm currently a senior and I am studying entomology, which for those of you who don't know is the study of insects, but it can also include just anything that's sort of creepy, crawly, often spiders, centipedes, mm. things that people tend to not like. Mm. I've gotten some varied reactions to my major, which has gone from gross you to my face and you're so brave which is my personal wow. favorite you're so brave they just put like a like a hand on your shoulder and just like look you sincerely right? in the eye like like, like you're, you're so a pediatric <laughs> like you're a yeah. pediatric oncologist right like, like i'm oh. saving lives on the daily i'm on the front lines <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh my goodness it's so, amazing uh so i'm assuming what what are you going to be talking to us about today? So today I decided to stay within my realm of expertise. I noticed that although you have all talked a lot about weird animals, you have not done an uh, episode exclusively devoted to my favorite animals, which are insects. Yay! The more legs, the better, as far as you're concerned. Oh, right? yes. All the legs. <laughs> She's a real leg gal. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's ever been just have you ever had that has anyone been like oh you must be a real, leg real into the legs <laughs> no i can't say i have gotten that before well, good. i have that that unique distinction of providing that for you <laughs> all right well first let me just start off the podcast by saying this insects are animals people they mm. are animals this has caused some confusion in the past um oh. Allow me to tell you the story of a TSA agent who uh, a friend of mine was carrying back some scorpions, etc., from Arizona, probably illegally, I'm not sure, <laughs> and was stopped by TSA who said, sorry, you can't have animals on the plane, to which my friend calmly replied, it's okay, insects aren't animals, and the TSA agent said, sure. <laughs> What? This is the, the the safety of our skies are in their hands. Actually insane story, right? So <laughs> insects are animals, fully animals. Let's mm. go through it. Domain, eukaryota, kingdom, animalia, phylum, mm. panarthropoda. Their closest relationships are crustaceans. So they're basically bugs of the sea. Yes. Exactly why I won't eat lobster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just sea bugs. Disgusting. And then the class is insecta. So that's a little a little taxonomy to start us off, just Perfect. to situate us on the tree of life. Um, and then I just sort of wanted to talk about what basically makes up an insect. So how can you tell an insect from, say, a spider 
or a centipede or all of those other things that tend to creep people out. Um, so insects have three body parts, a head, a thorax, and an abdomen. They have six legs. This is where it gets a little tricky because there's also something called a non-insect hexapod, which is also an arthropod that has six legs. But the difference is that insects have external mouth parts. So you think of like a grasshopper, they chew on the outside. This what was a real bone one of contention have? for me. They have internalized <laughs> mouth parts. This was a real bone of contention for me in my intro studies because I was like, honestly, what's real anymore? How can you have something that has six legs and it's not an insect? So taxonomists, mind, huh? please get it together. I beg of you. Its mouth <laughs> bones are on the outside. Oh, God. <laughs> so that's what insects are. Continuing our taxonomy discussion, we'll go over the basic groups. So the most ancient uh, higher groupings of insects is Paleoptera. That's dragonflies and mayflies. And you can sort of think from their body plan. You see those pictures in the Carboniferous. There's huge dragonflies everywhere. So Mm -hmm. those are sort of the ancient level insects. Then we have Polyneoptera, which means new wings. So we're starting to get uh, better designed wings, basically, in the insects. That's stuff like mantids, cockroaches, um, crickets and grasshoppers, earwigs, and some weird guys. And by (laughs) weird guys, I mean small orders. Um, There's one called rock and ice crawlers, which are Grilobladidae. They only live on glaciers um, in the northern hemisphere. That's a Pokemon, I think. (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) There's also a recently described order, which was most recently described in 2010, which is pretty crazy because an yeah. order is a really high level grouping and that doesn't happen too often. And the name is Mantophasmatodia. <laughs> okay. What? Manto meaning mantis. Yeah. Phasmo meaning meat. ghost. <laughs> Toad but, meaning. But actually, yeah. That's where Phasmatodia comes from, like <laughs> phantom. And then they're called heel walkers and they only live in what? South Africa. They only live in Sub-Saharan Africa. Heel Walkers is a nickname from Star Wars. Like, you got, you're in the desert of Tatooine. You got to watch out for those Heel Walkers. Like, are you kidding me? Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> Which came first, the Heel Walker in Star Wars or the Heel Walker insect? Well, no, I mean, it's not true. I mean, it's not wrong. Oh, I, mean, I haven't where- seen Star Okay, unnerved okay. moment. I have not seen Star Wars. You could tell me Thank anything. Thank you. No, Thank sorry, you. that's on me. I'm going sh- to interrupt this. And- <laughs> The other night, we're getting ready for bed, and Josh is just like looking at Twitter, and I go, you know what? I'm sick of Star Wars. <laughs> I'm sick of Star Wars just being everywhere, and there's a Baby Yoda, and there's a Boba Fett, and there's a... <laughs> I'm just sick of it everywhere. It used to be that nerds knew their place. <laughs> yeah, I'm losing everybody now. Nerds knew to, enough to be ashamed about loving Star Wars, and then I don't know who decided that it's okay now to come out and just... Julia, this rant is going to be clipped. It's going to get onto <laughs> trivia Twitter, and you're going to get excoriated by our friends and family. <laughs> be like explosive rant from Julia of misinformation. <laughs> Click here. Julia hates Star Wars. Says nerds need to learn their place. <laughs> so that's on you. That's on you, Julia. I take it. Lauren had no part in that rant. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. Anyway, the That's heel okay. walkers. 
All right, heel walkers. So mm-hmm. those are the weird. Oh, and embiopterae, which are web spinners, which are insects that can spin webs and produce oh. silk. Ooh. And they live in silken galleries with each other, and they're so <gasps> small you almost need a microscope to see them. Oh my god, that's so cool. that's an interesting group. Um, then moving higher up in terms of evolution, we have Paraneoptera, which is lice. Thrips, which are these tiny insects that people that work in greenhouses will know and hate. And mm. hemipterans, which are true bugs. All of those have piercing, sucking mouth parts. Yes. So you can sort of remember <laughs> the them by best, that. The best qualities. Right. Bugs. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have holometabola, which means complete metamorphosis. So these are insects that have a larval and pupal stage. So not all insects have a larval and pupal stage. A lot of times people will see a small beetle and say, oh, it's a baby. It's not. It's a fully grown adult. Um, so so that would be things like beetles, uh, fleas, uh, scorpion flies, lacewings, just all these great names that sound like something yeah. you might never want to encounter if you're no, not an entomologist. Not. <laughs> And then that gets me to the big four, which are the four largest orders of insects that contain, I would say, about 95% of the described diversity. Um, So that would be Hymenoptera to start off with, which is bees, ants, and wasps. Those are all in one order. Um, The characteristic that defines them is these hooks on their wings called hamuli. Ooh, um, and just being bees and wasps and ants. Sure. Just, just like, you know, they being their a bee. go together. It's being a bee, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also Coleoptera, my favorite order, which is beetles. And what distinguishes Coleoptera, that means hardened wing. And they have elytra, which are the hardened beetle shell that you see. And those are modified wings. So if you think of the typical insect as having four wings, the front wings and beetles have been hardened into a shell. Oh, okay. and then they they kind of like release the the other wings. They like lift, yeah, away. Correct. Yeah, they're sort of bad flyers because of that, because they <laughs> mm. basically only have two functional wings. Um, and then we have Diptera, which means two winged. That would be flies. All true flies have two front wings, and then the back wings have been reduced into something called halteres that essentially act as a a flight stabilizer. Uh, okay. Wow. Oh, wow. And then we have Lepidoptera, which means scaled wings, and that would be butterflies and moths. Everyone's mm-hmm. favorite, most yes. charismatic, less, for sure. Less creepy crawly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although I did have a friend in college who was terrified of butterflies. Like he was like a six and a half foot tall, like big, scary looking guy. And he was, you'd see a moth like cross his path and he would absolutely would lose shit. like a... Yes, he was very yeah, uncomfortable. Thing. I have a couple of friends that are really, really freaked out by moths. And, you know, I just try to do some light exposure therapy where I can. <laughs> That's kind of you. That's good of you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so how old are insects, do you guys think? Oh, my God. Uh, old as hell, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ge- going back to Genesis, right, Lauren? Yeah. <laughs> It all began, right? Uh, I'm gonna say like a couple million years old. I want to say, I'll say, I'll say 50 million years old. Okay, so the oldest. You're both wrong. (laughs) Oh wow! The oldest fossil insect record is from the Devonian, which is approximately 400 million years (gasps) ago. Get out! That is old as hell. 
that's old as hell. hell. Yeah. They're yeah. so old. It's so incredible that they're so diverse and it just works. It's great to be an insect. The body plan, yeah. it just works, people. Yeah. I mean Yeah, when you mentioned like the pre like the prehistoric kind, like the dragonflies, I was like, exactly. That's what I can picture when you see like the dioramas and things like that. Or they they made these big ass dragonflies to like mm-hmm. Show you where, how lucky you are that you didn't live then. Honestly, yeah. take me back. I would love to <laughs> ride, on a ride one of those things. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Oh, so how many species of insects do you think there are? <gasps> more uh, than humans. <laughs> I'm gonna I say mean, more species. More, more species. <laughs> more species. Oh boy. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh boy, we are describe, really showing our hand species, here. species, not physical amounts of insects. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say thousands. I'm going to say like, I don't know, 10,000. And I'll say 5 million. Wow, Jewel. Okay, yeah, Julia was a lot closer on that one. So there are a, around over a million described species of insects. Mm. So we have a name, a Latin name for them. And depending on who you ask... There's around two to 30 million species <gasps> of insects. Wow. That's a real, that's a big stretch there. Mm-hmm. So many Wide things we birth. don't know yet. <laughs> oh and a lot of them are beetles because oh. everyone loves beetles and they tend to be easy to see and pretty charismatic. So a lot of people describe them. They're, they're love charismatic. They're charismatic. They, they love getting interviewed. You know, you can trot <laughs> so them out to your parents. A sparkling wit. Just so That's funny true. and just warm like and personable. Yeah. I love the term charismatic about bugs. That's very funny. It is also such a a scientist way of descri- <laughs> describing things. <laughs> like, oh, you know, like normies like those. They're it's very they're very charismatic. <laughs> like it's just Yeah. It's so great. So a lot of people think Coleoptera is the biggest order. Some people think it's the flies. Some people think it's the wasps. We sort of battle it out at conferences, you know, what to do you see think? who will reign supreme. I think it's beetles because okay. I think beetles are the best order. But I'm willing to admit it's probably not at this point. Mm. Yeah, it's well, probably wasps. That's okay. Big, big of you to, to make that, to admit that to. Fine, I'm not angry. <laughs> Our tons of listeners. So. <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> One person is listening to this like, yeah, Beatles. <laughs> I win. <laughs> <laughs> so what makes insects so successful is that they're sort of the ultimate transformers, if you will. So they have a really flexible body plan that allows for a lot of specialization in the mouth parts, in the legs, in the antennae. So you can really modify your body plan a lot. If you want to jump, you get big, strong legs like a grasshopper. If you want to swim, you get these sort of fringed legs like a water strider. And, you know, you can modify your antennae to search for what you need to find. And as I said, like they have piercing sucking mouth parts in some of them. So that's for sucking plant sap. Or you might have predatory mouth parts. Or you might have just weird sucky things like flies do. That's the name of my band, Predatory Mouth Parts. That's a really good band name, actually. I think you might get a lot of good band names out of this (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Yeah, also a lot of insects are parthenogenetic, which means that they reproduce asexually. Um, A lot of insects can do this. They can reproduce without a mate. And a lot of invasive insects, specifically like aphids, can be parthenogenetic. 
and actually have this phenomenon that I forget the name of right now, but it's basically when there's an aphid that's pregnant and then the aphid that's inside the pregnant aphid also has an aphid <gasps> inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty crazy. That's oh too God, much. That's horrifying. That's so too we're many. So like Russian aphids. nesting dolls of aphids, oh basically. <laughs> oh my God, it's aphids all the way down. Yep. Oh my God. So let's talk about what insects are made of. And I like to do it like, how are they different from humans? So we have <laughs> at least some type of frame of reference to compare it to. So first of all, they have an exoskeleton. We have an internal skeleton. So that's the biggest difference, I would say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um... The exoskeleton is made of this thing called chitin. Uh, it's a polysaccharide, and it's actually the same thing that fungal cells are made out of, which is pretty just Ooh. neat. Um, and they're not really closely related on the tree of life, so it's just sort of a fascinating like evolutionary process. Wow. They also have, as I mentioned, external mouth parts. So we as humans have internal mouth parts. You know, our, our teeth are on the inside, where I'd like mm. them to be. Yeah. <laughs> same. Same. <laughs> yep. They have um, an open circulatory system, which is, so we have a closed circulatory system. Our blood stays in the veins, more or less, ideally. Great. In the ideal world, the blood stays in the veins and the arteries. Uh, but in insects, they sort of, their whole body sort of gets bathed in this blood-like substance called hemolymph. And it's sort of just washing over their organs and circulating around and they do have a heart per se, but it's not a closed heart like we would have. Oh I had God. no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Julia's real grossed out already. Damn. Yeah, so if you crush a bug, which you may have done in the past, yeah. and it's green, mm -hmm. that's hemolymph. Hemolymph tends to be green. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I, I remember Steve killed a centipede, and he <gasps> was like, whoa! And I was like, oh, please don't, don't show me like, that. He was like, no, you should come see this. I was like, no, I'm all set. But he still showed it to me because <laughs> it's it terrible. But his, uh, his, I don't know what sex the centipede was. This centipede's blood was blue, um, which, you know, despite my, you know, nausea, that was actually really cool and also freaky deaky because that felt very, like, alien to me. Yeah. So. They're super alien. They also have a different uh, neural system than we do. So instead of having one central brain that controls everything, they have what's called paired segmental ganglia, which are essentially multiple smaller brains that control different parts of the body. Oh so that's God. why if, I mean, the biggest, you know, the head sort of controls everything. But if you cut off, say, a cockroach's head, it will continue to walk for a little bit because its leg brains are like, all right, well, last extra I checked, brains. we're going forward. So. Leg brains. <laughs> ah, cockroaches are so gross. Oh, my God. <gasps> oh, and wow. you can't kill it. Clearly, you've told us. we You cannot kill them. <laughs> they, they what if continue. I told you I invite them into my house and I actually. <laughs> no! Cockroach colonies as pets. No, 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 no. Yeah, I really? actually, yeah, I keep uh, hissing cockroaches, and I keep I was gonna the ask you. largest roaches, which is the giant peppered roach. How big is the giant? I think peppered I had roach? their album in the nineties. <laughs> I want to say. I'm just making a hand gesture. A that's podcast too big. format, it's like approximately, <laughs> like smaller than a computer mouse in terms of just overall size, but not 
much smaller than that. Oh, if I had a roach that was the size of my computer mouse, I would leave. I would leave. I would the burn house. the house. Yeah. No, I would burn the yeah. house. Yeah. They're yeah. tropical. So unless you move to the tropics, you're pretty much good on that. Good. Ooh. You won't see those. Sometimes they get out in my apartment and I'm like, oh, that's a real <laughs> bummer. <laughs> Oh my god you know what now i'm gonna say it you're very brave <laughs> thank you yeah you see <laughs> thank you it's it's a tough life but i mean someone's got to do it god bless you god bless and then the last main thing that i feel like makes them different from humans is that some of them can regrow their limbs that's cool <sighs> wow mm-hmm. yeah yeah, That's so I also line. keep stick insects. I keep a lot of different things, uh, but I also keep stick insects, uh, which A, are parthenogenetic. So I'm on generation four of keeping them. They're all genetic clones of each other, and they're starting to get a little messed up from that. Like, <laughs> have a wacky leg. and But then it'll grow back as they become an adult, which is super wow. neat. So if That's it loses so a leg, I'm like, eh. He'll be fine. No, did, you, did you always collect insects? Like even as a little as a little Nina, did you Definitely. have little containers of bugs that you were capturing and studying and a hundred percent. Actually when I was at my parents' house recently, my mom saves everything and I found like a report card from preschool, you know, where they just write about how you're doing developmentally. Yeah. yeah. And one of them was like, Nina knows a lot about insects. She can <gasps> even name all the parts of the ant, head, thorax, abdomen. I was like, Yes. That's gosh. so wow. cute. Oh, God my gosh. bless your consistency. That's very mm-hmm. cute. Oh, yeah. Right. I'm really living the dream. Like, I'm really we grateful are. to be able to study this in college. It's totally a childhood dream come true for me. That's really great. I love that. Everyone awesome. should study entomology. <laughs> and that's and that's Nina's call to arms for that, mm-hmm. for sure. All right. So let's talk about some common insect misconceptions that you all may have. Okay. One is earwigs. Do not pinch your ear. They won't go in your ear. I don't really know where the ear thing came from, but the pincers are for mating. So don't worry. They won't go in your ear. They're not going in your ear to to get to to your brain. Nah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Good. So that's good. <laughs> that's uh, not all mosquitoes drink blood. That's a really interesting fact, oh. I think. Hmm. Only the female mosquitoes will take a blood meal because blood is super nutritious um, and they I need it imagine. for their babies. Um, oh. But a lot of mosquito species, both the males and females, don't drink blood. They are actually nectar feeders and pollen feeders, and they're actually fairly important pollinators of smaller flowers. Their PR team really needs to get out there then. Really yeah, get ahead of the true. whole blood thing. I, I think they need they need some better marketing about the about that's the true. pollen and I the know. nectar. Technically, mosquitoes are the world's deadliest insect. Yeah. Or the world's deadliest animal in terms of people that they kill per yeah. year by vectoring malaria, etc. Yeah, I believe that. That's really interesting to think so about. That's also that. a fun trivia question. Depending on how much of a stickler your quiz master is, <laughs> technically the world's deadliest animal is, is a mosquito. A mosquito. Interesting. Now, yeah. is I? <laughs> I know there's probably thousands of species, but is there a way to like know if you if like a male mosquito or a female mosquito has landed on you? Like, I think I feel like I was always told like, oh, the big ones are you know are the male mosquitoes and they're not going to bite you or something like that. I don't know. Generally, if it's landing on you, it's a female because okay. it's looking for a blood meal, so you can mm. safely assume it will bite you. <laughs> so if it's if it's on your body. 
it's going it's, it's going to eat you it will try <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. that's good i mean at least it's straightforward you know oh yeah make their intentions known yep um also not all bees can sting in oh. fact most bees don't sting uh they're actually solitary and the bees that can sting have a modified ovipositor which is the egg laying device in insects oh so uh the bees that can sting you are all female if a bee stings you, it was a female. Oh. Oh. So it's the it's the gales that are dangerous then <laughs> for mm-hmm. most of this stuff. Interesting. And if you huh. get really good at identifying, say, male bumblebees, you can just go grab one and hold it in your hand and they're amaze so your cute. friends and say, look. Because they're big, fat little bumblebees. And it's I not love stinging me. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Look at me. I can talk to the animals. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bumblebees are so cute. They're like mm-hmm. the vans of bees. They're just like, they're always bumping into stuff. And I thought you meant vans like the shoes. Me too. I was like, they don't <laughs> understand really that. Yeah, and like, and like ladybugs are like the Chuck Taylors of, of <laughs> bugs. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the or, you know, the, the like vehicle. a VW. Van. Yeah, like a VW van. And it's yeah. definitely the stilettos of the insect world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, most also going on the bee thing, most uh, all worker bees are female. So all the most of the bees in the hive are worker bees. There's the queen who's obviously female, but all worker bees, they're all female. It's girl mm. power running that hive. Wow, I guess uh, that I guess in my brain, every all the worker bees were were male bees and then there was just like one queen and all the males were serving her. Oh, but the 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 males are drones. Right? Yeah, that's the right. Drones? The males yeah. are called drones. And they don't do shit. Nope. They, they just, just live for a very short time and mate and die. Just studs. Yeah, yeah, basically. So yeah, it's girl power moving that hive. Um, awesome. There's a really interesting mechanism behind why they're all female. They uh, Most bees that are social, like wasps and honeybees, will reproduce in this method called haplodiploidy. So... That refers to the chromosome number. We are diploid. We have two sets of our chromosomes. Mm-hmm. And the females are diploid and the males are haploid. So females that are laying eggs can actually choose based on how they provision uh, what the sex of the bee will be when it emerges. So like, oh, we need wow. males. So yeah. we can figure out how many males and females to produce this year to achieve sex ratios. Wow. Uh, That's really cool. Yeah. So those are my common insect misconceptions. Do you have any more burning things that you've heard about? Oh, my gosh. That you need myth busting? There's so many bugs. I can't even think of any. Um, um, Do centipedes (laughs) really have 100 legs? No, I don't think so. Uh, But they're not a bug. I'm trying to think of how many more they'd have. (laughs) I think they have around 40. So they have a lot. They have a lot. They did very recently, hot new science, they did recently discover a millipede that truly has a thousand legs. And everyone on science Twitter in my realm was freaking out about it. (laughs) Yeah, I bet they did. (laughs) Yeah, I bet there are a lot of articles being shared and GIFs and all sorts of things. Yeah, everyone was saying, millipede confirmed. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, finally, this is what I've been working toward my whole life. (laughs) 
So now we will talk about where insects can live. So they Mm. are found on all (laughs) continents, including Antarctica. There's a crazy weird fly that lives in Antarctica. Probably more that we don't know about yet because no one's funding entomologists to go to Antarctica. Yeah, funny. It's weird. Yeah, I know, weird, right? There's also a fly that can live in crude oil spills. What? That's so hyper specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Evolution. it must have just adapted. I yeah. mean, crude oil exists in nature, though. Yeah, so that's you must true. think, you know, just some oil field somewhere. It's like eh, no one else is here. So great. I got the whole place to myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to evolve to adapt to this. That's um, cool. There's, yeah, there's also some bees that can nest in empty snail shells, which is just <gasps> so cute. Oh. <laughs> That would be very cute if we found one of those. <laughs> That's uh, that is a children's book waiting to be written. That's mm-hmm. very adorable. They can also live in the open ocean. So there is a water strider that fully lives. It spends its whole life in the open ocean. It lays its eggs on uh, things that are floating around, sometimes sea trash. So actually, the number of open ocean water striders has increased in recent years because oh, yeah. there's a lot of plastic for them to lay their eggs on. Oh, my so they're God. Doing really well. <laughs> One of the only. Good job, Water Striders. <laughs> Yay? Question mark? Yeah. Congratulations, I guess. Yeah. And so they can also live, they're pretty common in freshwater environments. So there's lots of aquatic insects. There's this one type of diving beetle that has divided eyes. So it has eyes at the top and then eyes at the bottom. So it can see uh, the water but then it can also see above itself. Oh my gosh. Oh my God, that's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's really And cool. a lot of insects live in caves and they're completely blind and colorless because you don't need any of that stuff if you're living yeah. in a cave. So, okay. Now we're going to move on to the biggest and smallest insects. Yes. <laughs> I'm so excited. The smallest insect is, I'm going to try to pronounce this, Dicopomorpha ecmeturigus. Maybe. Okay. It is a wasp in the family Mimeridae. Their common name is fairy flies or fairy winged wasps. Oh, that's sweet. Mm-hmm. They can be smaller than a single celled paramecium. <gasps> Whoa. What? You need a really high powered microscope to see these guys. Jeez. So my this room that I'm sitting in could be full of these things and I would have no idea. Unlikely because you're indoors, but in theory, yeah. Oh my gosh. Who who found that? You know? Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not not imaginary. Wow. Someone who works on them, they're parasitoids. So I would assume someone who is rearing insects and said, oh, all these tiny ducks are ride to something. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And then the biggest is depending on whether or not you mean the heaviest insect. Or the longest insect. You can oh tell us God. both. Yeah, tell us both. <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> Rest assured. So the heaviest insect is the giant weta, which is a type of cricket-like insect native to Australia. Mm-hmm. And that weighs in at about two and a half ounces, which is pretty hefty. <sighs> that's that's pretty heavy for a bug. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh. And then the longest is a stick insect uh, collected in China that measured at two and a half feet long. Oh, no! <laughs> so long! 
Oh, God. How fast do they move? Not fast. Okay. The stick insects, not fast. Okay. So, it's not so you might not even realize it. You might be walking through a forest and yep. not even realize that you're surrounded nope. by two and a half foot insects. Oh, Definitely likely, slowly. I would say, in fact. <gasps> I'm never leaving this house. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag How indoor kids. To become an agoraphobe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. We created an entire generation of agoraphobes mm-hmm. with this podcast. So now I have fun fact time. Not Great. that these aren't all fun facts, but they are. more fun facts. So first, insects can be farmers. Oh, that's, that's cute. Actually, a little bit. So most of them farm fungi. So we, you might have heard of leaf cutter ants before. Uh-huh. Yeah. So do you guys think the leaf cutter ants eat the leaves? I mean, that's sort of a trick question because I told you that they didn't. But did you think <laughs> that they? Yes, ate the I leaves? would have assumed that they ate leaves. Yeah. Yeah. Same. So actually, what they do is that they cut the leaves and cultivate a specific fungus on the leaves so they chew up the leaves in the nest and they have a whole farm in the center of the colony and then they're very carefully tending their garden and they have um, antimicrobial compounds on their body that they actually use to clean the garden of any bacteria that would kill the fungi and they eat the fungi that's really lovely That's kind of sweet. That's also a children's <laughs> book waiting to happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's this whole, a whole compendium. Right. Yeah. Yeah, termites also con- cultivate fungi. Some species of termites also cultivate fungi as their main food source. My favorite fungal cultivators are a type of bark beetle called scolotines. Um, they can cause a lot of damage in trees. They're wood boring beetles. Uh-huh. And essentially what they'll do is burrow into a piece of wood they're carrying fungal spores and hyphae on them in special structures on their body called mycangia. And when they find a tree and burrow into it, they will cultivate the fungi in their tree and then eat the fungi. Oh my God. So they like make themselves a little, you know, like a, like a mushroom cave mm-hmm. in, in the, in the wood. And then they God, pack them in. God, that's the life. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Just have your own little mushroom cave and eat mm. as much as you'd like mm, don't talk up. to me i'm fantasizing about my <laughs> mushroom cave <laughs> i'm glad i can um, provide that for you yeah so in addition to farming fungi insects can also farm other insects ants again ants reigning supreme as the ultimate agriculturalist Um, Ants engage in what is known as tending, mostly aphids, but also tree hoppers. So aphids, when they feed on plant sap, produce this really sugary excrement that's called honeydew. Mm -hmm. And the ants will drink it right out of their butt because (laughs) it's full of sugar. See that was cute. Until, I didn't know that was until going. the butt I didn't part. See that. I was until... like, I was like, yeah, I can picture those little trails on like leaves. Nope. Oh, nope. Yeah. They'll go right up to the aphid and sort of tap it with its antennae, be like, "Hello, it's me." And then the aphid would be like, "Ah, oh, hello." And then it will poop out some delicious sugary substance, and the ant will drink it and go, "Hmm, thank you." And so when, it's, yeah. It's kind of like they're milking them, you know, yeah, it's a little exactly. bit like having little aphid cows and they're it's providing very them similar. With- and in regards to what the aphid gets out of it, they get a ton of protection from sure. other insects because the ants are protecting the aphids all the time. 
that is something you can see on the East Coast. If you look around at aphids colonies, if you find like a milkweed stalk that has a lot of aphids on it, you might see ants running up and down the stalk and they're tending the aphids on the stalk. That's kind of cute too. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of cute. Yeah, a little bit. If you don't think about it too much. <laughs> yeah. uh, another really cool way that insects are living their lives is as a parasitoid which is different than being a classic parasite, which might be something like a louse or a flea where it's live free living on you, mm. um, sucking your blood, but it's not inside of you. Um, but a parasitoid is when an insect will lay, it's usually a wasp, but sometimes other flies, etc., will lay their egg inside an insect. And then uh. it will grow and grow oh, no. and then sprout forth like an alien. Oh my God. <laughs> Now that's yeah, that's that's some dark shit. <laughs> There's also something called hyperparasitism that's been oh, no. described, which is when an insect, usually a wasp, lays its egg in the egg of a parasitoid that's already what? in another insect, something oh. like a caterpillar. Something lays an egg inside of it, and then another wasp comes along and lays an egg inside that egg. <gasps> It's just parasites all the way down. It's crazy. <laughs> so that poor caterpillar is like, I'm going to have a caterpillar baby. And then <laughs> pops out a wasp. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it can be a big problem if you are rearing ca uh, caterpillars or butterflies. Um, oh, sure. You, you lose a lot to parasitoids if you don't keep them inside. Oh, my god. And gosh. some people do it on purpose. I imagine if you're studying it, then you would probably mm -hmm. want it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's also a really interesting parasite, not quite a parasitoid. Uh, it's a whole order of insects called strepsipterans, and they're what's known as twisted wing parasites. Ooh, another good band name, twisted <laughs> wing parasite. Oh, yeah, that's good, too. Yeah. <laughs> Hope somebody's keeping track of this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so they're super crazy. Only the males have wings. The females are larviform, so they look like little larvae. And the female lives in between the chinks, like the segments of wasps, usually. So it sort of is, like, wedged in there and feeding on them. Um, and... If a bee or wasp is infected with a strepsifterin parasite, their behavior gets manipulated in a really interesting way. So instead of going to build a nest, they just won't. They won't build a nest. They'll just go around visiting flowers because that's how the strepsifterins disperse and find new hosts. If you're just constantly visiting flowers, you're going to encounter more and more bees, and then you can spread your eggs. And Is this similar uh. to that thing where you get zombie ants? That's a fungus that does oh, that, okay. but it's, it does manipulate the behavior of the host to spread more of yourself around, which is freaks me out for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that at all. That's it's like scary. how, right? It's like how if you have toxoplasmosis, it makes you love cats more. Yes, <laughs> which I definitely yes. have. A thousand percent. <laughs> I mean, at least it's you know, it's I wouldn't say it's benign, but it's um. Yeah, I mean, it's nice. If you're a like, mouse, it's, it's nice. fine. It's if nice. If you're not a mouse, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, if you're not a mouse, it's fine. Like, it's a, you know, symbiotic relationship, you know. Whatever. I'm okay with it. Yeah. I mean, as long as you're, you're a consenting party, <laughs> it's fine. So while we're on the subject of parasitoids, one of my favorite insect stories is the jewel wasp and the cockroach. 
So there's a certain type of wasp that's called a jewel wasp. They're really beautiful. They look like jewels. And what they'll do to certain cockroaches is that they will find a suitable cockroach host. They'll sting it in a way that the cockroach just sort of stops caring about what's happening to it, becomes very chill and docile. And then the uh, wasp will take the cockroach's antennae and start walking the cockroach and leading it like a dog on a leash back to a burrow that has been dug for the cockroach to go inside. And then the wasp will take the cockroach inside the burrow. Cockroach says, it's kind of nice in here. Sure, I'm fine with that. I'm all fine. And then the wasp will lay its egg on the cockroach, and then the cockroach will eventually get consumed alive. Man, bugs are wild. (laughs) That is a horror movie. This is a... Like, we have, like, children's books, and now we have horror movies. (laughs) (laughs) Entomologists should write more, like, treatments for horror movies. Yeah, yeah. My DMs are open. (laughs) Hollywood, my DMs are open. She already has a Hollywood name. It's it's there. Nita Devine. Come on, everybody. Hello. Send me your screenplays. (laughs) Bugs can also lactate. In a weird way, there are certain types of, there's a fly that typically uh, parasitizes deer that can secrete a milky substance full of lipids for their larvae to consume. Oh my God. That's Mm. wild. Is that the next trendy milk? Oh, (laughs) milk. (laughs) Bug milk. Ant milk. (laughs) (laughs) So gross. I don't like that. Yeah. Some insects can produce antifreeze compounds um, if they live in the far north. So like I mentioned earlier, insects can live in Alaska in the Arctic Circle. There are certain types of moths that will live as a caterpillar for sometimes several years. So in the brief period where there's uh, spring and there's vegetation they can feed on, they'll wake up and eat as much as they possibly can. But if it's Mm. not enough for them to pupate, they'll go back underground and they'll freeze just enough to keep themselves alive. But then these antifreeze compounds will circulate through their body to keep them from fully freezing. Wow. That's kind of cool. Is that kind of like um, uh, the cicadas? Like, remember the cicadas came out this past summer, right? Was it this Mm -hmm. past summer? Were you in? Were you on this this coast when the cicadas were out and screaming? I was. I was a little too north in Ithaca for them yeah. to come out, and I wanted to take a field trip down to see them, which was funny because everyone else was trying to get away from the cicadas, <laughs> and I yeah. actively wanted to go to where they were. Yeah, I had a couple of friends in D.C. who were posting pictures of like the sidewalk just like covered in cicada like husks, and it looked like again a horror movie <laughs> it's like terrifying yeah i would say it's similar to how um wood frogs which is a common frog species mm. also produce antifreeze compounds and will freeze in the ponds over the winter mm. so a similar system um <laughs> i'm looking at this note i wrote for myself so there's this one type of beetle called a camphor shoot borer um it's that type of fungus beetle that i was mentioning earlier mm-hmm. And they're basically absolute idiots. Um, and they're attracted. <laughs> Let that hang for a second. <laughs> and they are attracted, since they burrow into camphor trees, they're attracted to the smell of gasoline. Huh? And they okay. will burrow into gas tanks in <gasps> cars, but they're not as easily accessible. So mostly, a lot of the times, it's boats 
in small oh. planes. And oh, they no. can drain boats of their fuel completely. And sometimes people will go to start their boat <sighs> and it won't start because hundreds of tiny beetles have tried to burrow their way through the plastic to get to that sweet, sweet gasoline. Oh, my God. Where do these things live? Uh, normally, I believe they're native to Asia and they don't cause a huge problem there. But in the United States, they are becoming a little bit invasive. Oh, interesting. That's why Man, I don't that's have a boat. Weird. I mean, yeah. you know, I can't. <laughs> I can't. You can't with the Beatles. I can't. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so much of a nuisance. That's the only reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, many insects, particularly beetles, are what's called ant incolines, and they live inside the ant nest and just sort of chill and reap all the fun benefits of being a member of the colony. There's this one really weird beetle that looks like an ant abdomen, and it clamps on to the thorax of an ant and makes it look like it has two butts. And for oh, some reason, you... other ants are like, like fashionable. Very nice. <laughs> like, all right, Bill. All right. If that's your thing, yeah. that's fine. Cool, no I judgment guess. here. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is it called the two butt beetle? Is that what it's called? God, I wish. <laughs> right? You can name the next one. Okay, I'll, great. Thanks. Let me know. <laughs> that's actually a perfect segue to my next topic, which is simply funny names that insects have been given. Love it. These are specifically Latin names because if you're a taxonomist, life gets a little boring sometimes mm. and you rarely discover new species. And when you do, it's pretty exciting. I believe so it. you want to give them a funny name. Uh, so there is a wasp whose full Latin name, genus, and species is Ahaha. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. true. Okay. Genus Ahaha. I'll remember that. I'll remember that. Species Ha. <laughs> <laughs> There's also sure a moth whose Latin name is pronounced Eubetra by golly. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's such a dad joke. I imagine these are all these are, dad jokes. Yeah, I imagine these are all dad jokes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and puns. Mm -hmm. Yep. There's also aggravation, which is oh. a beetle. Mm -hmm. There's also pizza de resistance. Oh my gosh. <laughs> which is a fly. <laughs> and then last, but certainly not least, we have here's Lucanatia. Stop oh, okay. it. <laughs> yeah, this is now. I'm I'm starting to not believe this. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So that's all I have for insects. But I just wanted to take a quick moment to also discuss what an entomologist does because Please. I do. feel like the general public is not super aware of what we do or why we are important in the workforce. Um, and there's many reasons. So one is that there's a lot of research on genetics and physiology that's done on insects. One of the biggest model organisms used in science is the fruit fly, mm -hmm. Drosophila melanogaster. So a lot of discoveries in genetics have been made in insects. Obviously, research on pest control and agriculture is a huge, mm. huge problem. Insects cause a lot of damage and also give us a lot of benefits in the terms of pollination sure. and natural enemies. So that's a huge area of research. That's a, a lot of where my research lies. There's also research being done on entomophagy, which is the eating of bugs. Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. We should all eat more bugs. Do you have a favorite? 
I haven't been able to purchase a lot of bugs to eat because it's a little expensive right now in mm. the United States. Yeah. Um, but if I could, I would probably purchase some cricket flour and make some cookies with it. Yes. I've heard crickets are high in protein. I mm-hmm. feel like I bought a bar at Trader Joe's or something a that couple of years like a back Trader that Joe's was made with cricket me. flour. I was right. like, we're going to try this. And I don't know if we ever um, went back for another one, but uh, we tried it. <laughs> you did your best. Yeah. You made the attempt and that's what's important. I guess. But yeah, we've had chipolinas before, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Chipolinas. Yeah. I've also had dried mealworms dusted in cheese dust, and they taste basically like a Cheeto. It's the same thing. All right. Yeah. (laughs) There's also biomedical and vector disease control research. That definitely Mm -hmm. is, I would say, the most high profile, along with pest control. As I mentioned, uh, definitely mosquitoes, bed bugs. Other disease vectoring insects are a pretty big problem for human health, uh, cockroaches as well in terms of sure. allergens and human households um, and, and urban entomology in general. So trying to figure out the best ways to prevent bed bugs and treat bed bugs yeah. in a safe manner for everyone involved. Um, there's also one of my favorite uh, areas called forensic entomology. Yes. Oh, yes. The body mm-hmm. farm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So there's a graduate student at Cornell whose field work involves going to a body farm in Colorado God and bless. researching the insects that live on the bodies. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. So for those that aren't aware, forensic entomology is used to fairly accurately estimate time of death based on the types of insects and the life stages that they're at on the body. You can also tell potentially if the body has been moved. If you see a certain insect and you know that it, there's no way it could have possibly come from that environment. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. And so sometimes entomologists will be called to testify in court about what they found on the body and why they think, you know, it has been moved. That's got to be such like a rock star thing where it's like, yeah, <laughs> like finally I'm an entomologist and I get to give evidence and like catch a bad guy. Like that's like such a cool thing. I know. That's so fascinating to me. I don't know if I can deal with the actual dead body yeah. aspect. Of oh, it, sure. But I would love yeah. to look at the bugs that someone collected and go, yeah. Yeah, yeah that doesn't belong there. there. Yeah, <laughs> sure doesn't. And then lastly, there's just bioengineering inspiration. So looking at the way they move Mm. or looking at what kinds of compounds are inside of them, how they're using them, flying. Insects are the best flyers. They're super efficient. (laughs) Isn't it like, yeah, and like luminescence and stuff, like bioluminescence. Right, yeah. And like you mentioned, like a bunch of, uh, I think you mentioned some beetles that have like antimicrobial properties and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I can absolutely see us trying to, do something with that (laughs) to humans that actually reminded me of another common misconception which is the the line from b movie where it's like oh a bumblebee shouldn't be able to fly because its wings are too small no its wings are the right size for its body that's why they can fly they're good (laughs) at flying that's how they're built that's how they're built if they couldn't fly they wouldn't fly exactly bumblebees follow the laws of physics people they follow them just like everything else Leave bumblebees alone. Yeah. They're adorable and fuzzy. And they're pollinators. Exactly. Oh, and okay, last bee rant. <laughs> when people say save the bees, we as entomologists do not mean the European honeybee, Apis mellifera. Oh. Apis mellifera is doing just fine. It's basically a honey cow. 
it gets farmed and it reproduces yeah. just fine on its own. What really needs saving are the smaller, most time solitary native bees that are very special pollinators mm. for native plants. Mm -hmm. And like only one flower has only one pollinator. Oh, sure. So if we want to save the bees, don't put up a honey beehive. Honey bees can actually be pretty aggressive towards other bees <laughs> in terms of defending floral resources and they can be kind of mean. Oh. So honey, good. Bumblebees, better. Okay. Save the bumblers. That's what, save, yeah. Save the native bees. Save the native bees. I like that. It's got a good, it's got some nice cadence to it. It has some yeah. internal alliteration. Is there, is there something we can do to help with Ooh, the good. native bees? My favorite insect conservation society that I tell people to donate to is the Xerces Society, spelled X-E-R-C-E-S. They're based out of Portland, and they're doing a lot of really great work on saving native bees and other insects. We will link. We will link yes, so that yeah, you that's can awesome. make a donation. Do. You're yes. welcome, Xerces. Give me a job. I'm looking. <laughs> Hire Nina. She's great. She's got a cool name, and she's very passionate about bees. Yes. So that concludes my topic on insects. Thank you all so much for listening to me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. We learned so much. And you I have, learned so you know much what? about bugs. You're very charismatic, Nina. Yes. And I don't, mean that, in a bug, I don't mean that in a bug sense. In that in human sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was great. You should start your own podcast about bugs. I feel like you'd get a lot of listeners. Definitely. Ooh. You would. Fully endorsed by misinformation, both of us. Nice. Thank you. So I hear you also have a quiz for us. Is this correct? Well, Lauren. Julia. We, <laughs> Nina and Engineer Josh and I have collaborated on a quiz. <laughs> Wait a second. So it's everybody against me again. Okay, okay. But Nina's Nina is on your team and she can um she can she answer can questions okay, too. Good. So I'll I'll read the questions and then you guys get to answer them. Okay. All so, right, you and me, Nina. Here we go. So our Great. quiz is not about insects, but it is about bugs, Lauren. It's all about famous computer bugs. Question one. Although he is better known for his illuminating discoveries, this inventor was the first to coin the term bug as a defect in a machine in 1878. What was that guy's name? Question two. Calculating the square root of negative one is a famously tricky issue. You may have learned in math class that the result is I, an imaginary number. But in your web browser, JavaScript will tell you that the result is N-A-N. What does N-A-N stand for? Question three. Launched in December 1998 from Cape Canaveral, NASA's Mars Climate Orbiter was designed to arrive on the red planet at the same time as the Mars Polar Lander so that they could conduct simultaneous investigations. The mission failed, however, when the Mars Climate Orbiter performed four course corrections and was lost in September 1999. This is a multiple choice question. What went wrong? A. Commands from Earth were being sent in the wrong units of measurement. B. Typing go actually changed the orbiter's direction. Or C. The orbiter accidentally launched at a 75 degree angle instead of a 90 degree angle. Question four. 
Speaking of failed space missions, in 1962, the Mariner 1 was the first American spacecraft designed to explore another planet, but it never reached space because of the omission of an overbar in a computer formula, causing a different calculation to be made during its launch, and the rocket being destroyed in the Atlantic Ocean just 293 seconds after launch. Your question, what planet was the Mariner 1 originally destined to study? Question 5. Hey, sexy lady. When YouTube was developed, no one considered that a video would ever get billions of views. So the on-screen counter used a 32-bit integer, meaning that the maximum possible views it could show was 2,147,438,647. Which 2012 music video was the first to surpass that threshold, effectively breaking YouTube's video counter in 2014? Question six. To a programmer, this is what error happens when you try to fit 10 bytes of data into an eight byte space. Or maybe it sounds like what happens when that Michael guy who says, let's get ready to rumble, puts too much water in his bathtub. Question seven. True or false, Macs cannot get computer viruses. Question eight. Pennsylvanian Chris Reynolds briefly became the world's richest man in 2013 when what online money transfer company erroneously credited his account with $92 quadrillion? Question 9. In the English version of a 1983 song by a German band with a woman's name, a group of what are mistaken for an enemy nuclear missile launch as a result of bugs in the software? And finally, question 10. Da Boom was a December 1999 episode of a still-running TV show set on an alternate timeline where the Y2K bug causes a global catastrophe. Out of food, the protagonists leave their Rhode Island home bound for a Twinkie factory in Natick, Massachusetts, because, as we all know, Twinkies are the only food that can survive a nuclear holocaust. Name that show. We'll give you a minute to think about it and be back with your answers. which one of you to blame for this <laughs> it's mostly it's mostly julia <laughs> i believe it i believe it and i i can and i smell the distinct scent of josh on a couple of these questions so thanks a lot bud i know i got your number yes you guys are gonna do great you guys are gonna do great all right we ready. just we Let's crammed a lot of information into the quiz uh but I, th- I feel like 
it's not going to be a problem. You okay, you it. and me, Nina, we got this. We all right, got this. all right, here we, we go. Got this. Question one: Although he's better known for his illuminating discoveries, this inventor was the first to coin the term "bug" as a defect in a machine in 1878. What was that guy's name? Illuminating. I'm thinking. I mean, I mean, my first instinct is Nikolai Tesla, but I don't think it's that hint. I wrote this question. I oh, don't think you? it's him. <laughs> Oh no, shit. Um, I wrote bug guy question mark. So I didn't have a guess at the time. <laughs> so, um, hmm. Illuminating light bulb. I'm thinking the guy who invented the light bulb, whose name, of course, <laughs> Thomas Edison. That is correct. Yes. All right. Great. Yes. Great, great, great. Um, so the term bug didn't really necessarily enter more mainstream use until 1947, but that's kind of when it came into use as ter- as like a computer bug because they found a moth in the Harvard Mark II and it was, you know, actually taped into the logbook that said like, we actually found a bug in the computer and it was pretty, it's a pretty charming story. But yes, perfect. Great answer. All right. <laughs> Thanks. Question two. <laughs> Calculating the square root of negative one is a famously tricky issue. You may have learned in math class that the result is I, an imaginary number. But in your web browser, JavaScript will tell you that the result is N-A-N. What does N-A-N stand for? Nothing, and Nobody. Uh, I'm going to say no actual number. It's a lot closer. Uh, the answer is not a number. Oh, see now. Okay. Now here's the thing. When it is an article like a, I don't think you get to include it in your little like thing. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm just saying as a, we will let the JavaScript people know, (laughs) please write a strongly worded email. Mr. Java. Excuse (laughs) me. me. So yeah, Java. Java, the founder of JavaScript. I love it. Yes. So there are other ways that you can produce that NAN result in JavaScript, like trying to multiply zero times infinity and other kinds of um, things that end up being an imaginary number. So Hmm. math. Okay. This is better. Question three. (laughs) Launched in December 1998 from Cape Canaveral, NASA's Mars Climate Orbiter was designed to arrive on the Red Planet at the same time as the Mars Polar Lander so they could conduct simultaneous investigations. The mission failed, however, and the the orbiter was lost in September 1999. This is a multiple choice question. What went wrong? A. Commands from Earth were being sent in the wrong units of measurement. B, typing go actually changed the orbiter's direction. Or C, the orbiter accidentally launched at a 75 degree angle instead of a 90 degree angle. My husband is shouting at his car speakers right now. Because <laughs> he knows. Yeah, he knows. And I. I feel like it could be A, the wrong unit of measurement if it was NASA. Because there's so much confusion between metric and imperial things. Mm. Like. Maybe someone was typing in meters and someone else was typing in feet. Maybe. I was thinking it's either A or C. I feel like it's not B. I feel I like agree. that's. Um, My partner I mean, also has a background in space things and he's gesturing at me wildly gesturing. and I don't really understand what the gestures <laughs> like, mean. I don't know what this means. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, we can go with A. Let's go with A. Let's go. Let's be wild. I'm right, glad great. you went with A because that is the right answer. And Nina Woo! nailed it. Yes! The commands were being sent in English units, pound seconds, without being converted into the metric standard, which was Newton seconds. Oh, so seconds. the software that controlled the thrusters used imperial units as pounds of force rather than metric units that were Newtons. So this poor Mars climate orbiter was like super confused and the error caused the orbiter to miss its intended target and disintegrate in the Martian atmosphere. Uh, by the way, that costs more than $125 million. Um, oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. So, <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Uh, but number four, speaking of failed space missions, in 1962, the Mariner 1 was the first American spacecraft designed to explore another planet, but it never reached space because of the omission of an overbar in a computer formula, causing a different calculation to be made during its launch. So your question, what planet was the Mariner 1 originally destined to study? So when I think Mariner, I think water. So what's a watery planet? And that's as far as I got. <laughs> I'm thinking Neptune because he was the god of the sea. Ooh, that's good. Ooh, I like that. Let's go with Neptune. Yeah, Neptune. I true? like your line of thinking. Um, this is 1962, so it is very early. Oh, true, yeah. So Did they... we not know Neptune existed in 1962? <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe it, was, maybe it was too far. Was it too far? I think that was too far. Too damn far. That was too far <laughs> for the time. Um, they were trying to go to Venus, but they actually that was the mariner one they actually had like mariner two just like waiting in the wings ready to ready to go go. and it launched like the next month without a problem so yeah what happened was there was an overbar omitted and an overbar indicates that several values of the formula belong together so by leaving that out that caused a slightly different calculation to be made and then calculations on the incoming radar data went really wonky and then the trajectory was off and then they actually like exploded the rocket over the ocean rather than have it like crash land in like yeah. a populated area. So um, sci-fi writer Arthur C. Clarke called the mistake, quote, the most expensive hyphen in history. That was uh, $18,500,000 in 1962, which is north of $150 million today. Oh my God. So yeah. <laughs> wow. Next time you like drop a glass on the floor or like, I don't know, break a pen in your purse, like, it's fine. Guys, it's been worse. It's, it's fine. Worse wow. has happened, yeah. All right, question five. A sexy lady. When YouTube was I couldn't even I couldn't even think of how to how to get that into the question without saying it like that. So I apologize, everybody. When YouTube was developed, no one considered that a video would ever get billions of views. So the on-screen counter used a 32-bit integer, meaning that the maximum possible views it could show was a little bit over 2 billion. Which 2012 music video was the first to surpass that threshold, effectively breaking YouTube's video counter in 2014? So 2012. What was I doing in 2012? Well, I was in sixth grade. <gasps> oh, oh, my God. My bones are dust. <laughs> my bones are dust. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my bones. <laughs> 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 I was like, I graduated from grad school and that was my first job. I was working at Schmarns and Blobel. I was, no, I was working for the Sue Anjanet costume okay. collection okay. and working at Schmarns and Bobel. Um, 
Wait, so so what it, was I thinking? I mean, Justin Bieber was like just starting to be big in 2012, but I That's don't think true. the music video for Baby was that. In no way it was bigger than Gangnam Style. Yeah, exactly. Was it Gangnam Style? No. Well, that's... Yes! Wait! Oh! Her face. Look at her face. I think oh, it's Gangnam I thought, Style. I thought the... <laughs> Gangnam Style. It is Gangnam, Gangnam Style. style. Yeah, yes! Good job, because I had no idea. I thought Thank you, Nina. I tried to say which one surpassed that, and I was like, I don't know if anything no, could ever this surpass was, that. This was the first video to break... 2,147,438,647 views. Um, so that was because YouTube was using a 30-bit integer and it now uses a 64-bit integer, which means that videos would have a maximum viewer count of 9.22 quintillion. So I think YouTube's video counter is safe. probably safe for a while. And the Koreans are a force, you know? <laughs> they really just put out great stuff no, <laughs> yeah i know blackpink oh my god all right question six to a programmer this is what error happens when you try to fit 10 bytes of data into an eight byte space or maybe it sounds like what happens when that michael guy who says let's get ready to rumble puts too much water in his bathtub so i think this is overflow because there's a website for um, using R statistics called Stack Overflow. So I think it's Overflow. Uh, I'm going with that because I couldn't even fucking understand the question. So Nina, you've got this. And I'm giving it to you. This specific one is a buffer overflow. Uh, but I'm give, definitely giving that to you. I guess the yeah, guy that says let's so. get ready to rumble's name is Michael Buffer. And that's oh, This oh. was an engineer Josh question, guys. Um, all, okay. the all the programmers are laughing okay. along right. with us right now. Sure. So yes, a buffer overflow can be an effective way to hack a program. So if a hacker can insert data past a buffer, you never know what's going to get in on the other side. You mm. just don't know. So you don't know. All right. We'll make this one simple. Question seven. True or false? Max cannot get computer viruses. Uh, I think, I think Max um, are more resistant to computer viruses, but I don't think it's impossible for them to get them. I think it's, they're still vulnerable. Like, you know, if you don't update your computer or whatever, this is based on literally nothing except just my instinct. So you're going to so. say false. So false. Yeah. I'm going to say false. You are correct. Yes. So according to Nina, the idea that Macs are somehow better protected from viruses than PCs just stems from the fact that most computer viruses are designed to infect PCs and not Macs oh. because more people have PCs than Macs. That's true. So <laughs> um, additionally, according to Malwarebytes State of Malware report in 2019, the amount of malware on Macs was actually greater than the amount on PCs. So mm, interesting. You guys, watch out. Don't click people those links. People are catching up to that. Don't, yeah. click, don't click those sketchy links. No. Don't click a sketchy link. No. <laughs> All right. Question eight. Pennsylvanian Chris Reynolds briefly became the world's richest man in 2013 when what online money transfer company erroneously credited his account with $92 quadrillion? I mean, my first instinct was PayPal. I was going to say PayPal as well. That seems okay. to stick out in my brain. Yeah. You guys are correct. Absolutely. It's PayPal. Yes. Um, by the way, 92 quadrillion is 17 digits long. And that is more than a thousand times greater than the GDP of the entire world. So uh, so it's money that didn't that does not exist. Yeah, it didn't never. exist. It was it was a, it was a bug. Uh, yeah, it 
it, they quickly took the $92 quadrillion <laughs> away from him. Um, he was unable to, you know, purchase what a middle-aged white guy from Pennsylvania would go out and purchase in that time frame. Um, but yes. Which is probably the Pittsburgh Pirates or... Oh, exactly. That would have been that would have been really funny. I would like that. Um, <laughs> Quickly by the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> yes. So just briefly, like I know that Elon Musk is somehow involved with PayPal, but I didn't know like what the whole backstory with PayPal was. So it was originally established by Peter Thiel, Luke Nosek and Max Levchin in December 1998 as Confinity, a company that developed security software for handheld devices. But then they switched their focus to being a digital wallet. Um, in 2000, they merged with X.com, which was the financial company founded by Elon Musk. And then the company was renamed PayPal in 2001. Mm. Um, eBay bought it in 2002 for $1.5 billion. Wow. Damn. So we we lost out on that one. Um, all right. Question nine. In the English version of a 1983 song by a German band with a woman's name, a group of what are mistaken for an enemy nuclear missile launch as a result of bugs in the software? I got this one. Don't worry. It's red balloons. You are 100% yes. correct. 99 Luftballons. Yes. By Nina. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That was me, guys. <laughs> nice. Good job. And then finally, question 10. We couldn't get out of this without a Y2K related question. Somehow, Da Boom was a December 1999 episode of a still running TV show set on an alternate timeline where the Y2K bug caused a global catastrophe. Out of food, the protagonists leave their Rhode Island home bound for a Twinkie factory in Natick, Massachusetts, because, as we all know, Twinkies are the only food that could survive a nuclear holocaust. Name that show. This has the stink of Engineer Josh all over it. He's giggling. I can see him silently no giggling. Not even a clue. I mean, if it's Rhode Island, it's probably fucking Family Guy. Look at him. Listen to it. If look it's at him. Family giggling. Guy, I'm going to be so upset. Is it Family Guy? The answer is Family Guy. Oh my I God. knew it. Oh my God. <laughs> I had I had Simpsons as an alternative, but then I heard Rhode Island, and I was like, No, 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 no. Yes. Simpsons uh, is nowhere. Engineer Josh would like to point out that early Family Guy was actually pretty funny, and it's nope, nowhere near as bad as it is now. Nope, that's a um, lie. <laughs> and that this might be Engineer Josh's favorite episode of mm. Early Family Guy. So mm, okay. now, now you know. There's a lot of great information there. There is a lot of great information. Um, I've learned while working on this quiz that computer bugs can be very costly, and actually. <laughs> One big thing that software engineers actually do is just try to find and fix bugs all day long. That sounds, I mean, it's kind of what you do, Nina, in a small, weird <gasps> way. If only I could get paid the salary of a software engineer. <laughs> if only we all could, Nina. If oh, only we all yeah. could. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Well, thank you so much for joining oh us, gosh. Nina. This was a delight. Um, was we all learned so much. Uh, and I've had a lot of fun um, helping out with that quiz. So thank you for giving yes, me that opportunity. You're welcome. Um, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, we will definitely plug Xerxes on our socials. Uh, don't forget, check out Xerxes. Please donate. They're doing good work. Um, anything else you want to plug, Nina? Um, no, but go outside and look at bugs. They're not as scary as you think, and you might learn something from them. Oh, that's lovely. What a great should sentiment. be the new Good. tagline of our show. I oh, love yeah. it. Go, go look at bugs. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, well, thanks so much for listening, guys. And thank you again, Nina. Thank you for taking the time out to tell us all about bugs. That was wonderful. We learned so much. Thank you. All right. And we will catch you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Ah, oh, boy. I'm just so tired of all these Star Wars. <laughs>